Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. All right, there I was, right? I had just pulled the practical joke to end all practical jokes. The problem is, is that I got caught. All right, so I'm running from one of my dad's friends that I tied into his camper at nighttime when he was camping out. He had to go to the bathroom. He had, it was a mess. He ended up, all right, you get, all right. It was a bad thing, but he caught me. And so he was chasing me. And I ran, and the only place where I could seek shelter was a porter john. Now, I don't know if what you call them here in Virginia, but in Michigan, we call them porter johns, like porter potties, right? You know what I'm talking about? All right, I saw shelter, security in that, which was a bad idea, all right? It was one of those moments where you realize, I'm, this is where I die, right? (laughs) This is how it happens. I'm going to be forever known as the kid who got caught during a practical joke and died in this Porta John in the middle of the woods somewhere in northern Michigan, right? This This is it. And things started to go slow motion as he started rocking that thing, rocking that thing. It was only by the grace of God that that thing tipped and caught the side of a tree. All right? And I was able to jump out before all that nasty blue stuff tipped all over me. Right? Grace of God. And it got me thinking, right? What do you do when you're faced with this question? All right, what do you do when life drops out from under you? When you have those slow motion, all right, this is where it ends, right? This is where I die type of thing. Now, not literally, right? Not literally dropping out from underneath you, right? A little bit more serious than getting caught in a practical joke and hiding out in a porta potty. But what do you do in these situations? All right, we've all experienced moments that are like these, right? Uh, situations that just look hopeless, like you're going to get covered in just nastiness and where we feel hopeless, where we feel like there's no escape route, right? We encounter big obstacles, right? We're, we're faced with, with big questions. We, we have huge odds that are stacked against us from every direction. Now, sometimes, right, the, the foundation, right, the, the thing that we're building our life on, the foundation of our lives seem to just start to crumble beneath our feet, a lot like a, a swaying porta potty, right? right? And then the bottom drops out from underneath us. Right? Now, most of the time, we're able, to, we're able to find a way out. We're able to pick ourselves up. But sometimes we need help getting back on stable ground, right? on, on secure ground. And so here's the tension, Foundry Church, right, that we need to look at this morning. Right, we, we've been looking at the long story short, the, the one big story of the Bible that weaves through Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, right? The, the story that God is telling. Now, let me quickly review where we have been, right? God created the world to reveal how good he really is, right? That's where we started. That was our first point. God created the world to reveal how good he really is. And then the first man and woman enter the picture. And they did not trust that God had made them 
good enough, and so they, they disobeyed his commands, right? And, and as a result, the, the world broke. We looked at that, right? The, the fall, the first sin, but God promised that there was more to the story, that that wasn't the end, that there was more to come, and he hinted that there would be some surprising plot twists along the way. Now, unfortunately, right, we learned, or we looked at, things would get worse before they would get better. But eventually, God reached out, right? He reached out to a man named Abraham, who we looked at, and promised to send his blessing, right, his, his favor, right? God promised to send a blessing through Abraham's family to the entire world. Right, beginning with, with Moses and continuing through the judges and some of the kings that we looked at and some of the prophets that we've looked at, God demonstrated that he worked according to his promises. Right, that, that's how he operated. He operated according to his promises and not according to our performance. Right, take a look. Right, he showed, right, God, he showed that he faithfully pursued unfaithful people and that his story was dependent on what he did not on what we did right that's that's the summary so far right well God had given his people a path to a blessed life they often realized that they were incapable of always getting things done the right way or in the right manner Right, there, there was no way that they could keep up with their end of the bargain. Right? God had initiated a covenant with Abraham and his descendants with, with a people who would fail. Right? Who, would, who would mess up. Who would, who would wander away time and time again. Who would completely at times reject God. Or forge their life on anything that was moving around them except for God. Right? So, so through the prophets, he invited the people to come back to him. Right? He pleaded with them that we saw to return to the story that he was writing. Right? And when we reach the end of, the, of Malachi, right? the, the last prophet, Right, the final book of the Old Testament. Right? When we reach the end of the Old Testament, we find a blank page with two simple words. Right, take a look. Right, it's in your Bible. Right? Right? We end Genesis through Malachi, and then we turn the page, and what we see is New Testament. Right? The New Testament. It's in every Bible. But here's the thing. Right, between the last words of Malachi, that last prophet who encouraged, who, who, who gave his life to help people come back to God, right? from that last prophet, Malachi, to the New Testament, here's the thing, 400 years of silence. Right? 400 years of silence. So here's, here's some questions that I have because of this, this blank page with just these two words, New Testament. Right, what were the people of God thinking during that season? <laughs> I mean, what were the people of God really thinking during that season? Right, did they feel abandoned? Right, did, the, did the people feel a little confused? Did they, they lack guidance or direction? And maybe they, they felt a little hopeless without purpose or direction. Maybe they felt uh, like they had been forgotten. I, I, I'm sure they were a, a little desperate. 
Right? They had fallen into a dark place and they needed someone to get them back on track. They needed someone, right? the people in this 400 years, right? they needed someone to deliver them from a hopeless situation. They needed a savior. Right? They, they, they needed a savior. And for centuries, they waited in silence. Right? There, uh, that is where we are in our long story short, in this sermon series, right? And that is the tension that we are going to deal with and peel like an onion this morning, Foundry Church, right? What did they do with this silence, right? They were living with this tension until, right? You guys know where I'm going, right? Until one day a baby was born, God pierced through the darkness through that baby boy lying in a manger, Right, Christmas in June. Right, is it June? It's June. Is it June? It's not July. Well, that's a saying, but it's June right now. All right, all right. Until one day, the voice of God, right, pierced the darkness, and there was a baby boy lying in a manger. Now, this might be the greatest plot twist ever written in history. Right, God Himself came to Earth. I mean, look at what is happening in this part of the story. Right. He came to our place in order to take our place, right? God came to our place, put an E there, came to our place in order to take our place, make things right, and bring us back to him. He invaded, our God invaded human history with one objective, to rescue his children, present and future, from sin. To rescue his children from sin. I mean, just listen to how his birth was announced to the young girl who would be his mother. Right? Follow along with me as I am in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Let's just think about that for a moment. Right? Let's just, I mean, sometimes, right, we get in this habit. Sometimes I think that these familiar verses, these familiar stories, um, that we, read them, we read them so quick that we miss how crazy they are, right? First of all, Mary got this news from an angel, right? An angel gave her this news. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a normal thing, right? That's not a normal thing. Sometimes God interacts with his story, with us, with our lives in shocking ways, and that's really cool, right? Then, right, God, right, told this girl, a virgin, that she was going to have a son. Now, that shows us that sometimes God interacts with his story, with his creation, with us, his children, in a miraculous manner. Right? Then the angel told this virgin that her son would be the son of the Most High and would have a throne and reign over Jacob's descendants forever, that his kingdom would never end. Now, whether you've been to church much or not, you're probably familiar with that first part of the story, right? 
But we can't let it be so familiar that we don't realize how miraculous it is, right? God sent his son Jesus, born uh, to a virgin by the name of Mary, who was engaged to a, a, a regular Joe carpenter named Joseph. The baby was born in a barn, visited by shepherds, wise men, right? wise kings began a long journey to bring him gifts. A lot of us, here's the problem, a lot of us, we leave baby Jesus, right, the we leave baby Jesus in the manger. Right? We just leave him there in the manger until Easter rolls around. Right? Think about it. Right? We, just, we celebrate Christmas. We leave him in the manger. And then Easter rolls around. We, we bring him out. Right? But there was so much more to his life than these two holidays that we celebrate. Right? Just like the separation between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that there's 400 years there. There's a lot to Jesus' life between the time he was born and then the time that we celebrate Easter. I mean, take, take a look, Foundry Church. Here's the truth. This is going to blow your mind. <laughs> Jesus grew up. <laughs> yeah, Jesus grew up, right? When he reached the age of 30, he chose 12 dudes to be with him in Mark 3. We read that. Right? We refer to these guys as his disciples. They were his, his ride or die, sort of. Some of them kind of wimped out. Right? They were his band of brothers. Right? He, he turned water into wine. He showed mercy. He healed the sick. And he commanded, uh, commanded dead men to walk out of the grave. And he showed honor to the lowest in society. Just some of the things that he did. Right? He preached love. He offered peace. He shared truth and power and <laughs> ultimate grace right many of the things he he said the 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 teachings that he 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 shared right challenged the way people had viewed God and the ways that they tried to please him for centuries right many many people had reduced a relationship with God to a set of rules to live by right they just reduced their relationship with God to following Rule number one, two, three, and four, and so on, and so on. Right? They, they may have been living the right way. Right? They, they might have not been doing all that wrong, but they were forgetting the why behind the what. Right? This part of the story. They were forgetting the why behind the what. Right? And when we forget the why, even today, when we forget the why, right, we often find ourselves on sinking ground. We, we find ourselves without a secure foundation, right? But listen, right? When Jesus taught, he, he would say things like this. He would say, uh, you've heard it said, but I, I, I tell you, right? Or, or sometimes he would even say, a new command I give you, right? And like many religious people in Jesus' day, it's tempting for us to associate Jesus with rules. It's tempting, Right? It's easy to do, right? Because, because he's saying, I, I, a new command I give you, right? Do's and don'ts and guidelines for staying in good standing with God, right? What Jesus was teaching, however, was not an updated list of regulations and rules and things to do, right? He, he was inviting us, right? And this is what's so radical. He was inviting us into a, a set of rules not to live by, but he was giving us a calling to live for, right? a purpose, direction, a task, a thing to do. Right? 
right? He was offering a new way of living, a life that was forged on him, a solid foundation, our best life, right? One of Jesus' most powerful sermons and some of my favorite scriptures was delivered on the side of a mountain, and it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, right? There's a sermon, he preached it on a mountain, the Sermon on the Mount. We find the longest, right, it's the longest version of it is recorded over a span of three chapters in the book of Matthew, and he ends the message with this story. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. We're going to be in chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Now as you're turning there, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, or you, and you can take those with you, they're free, or you can use uh, our app, you just go to the, your favorite app store, download the Foundry Burke app, and click the Bible tab, the scripture's pulled up there for you, or you can follow along with me. But listen, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, if you want to know what Jesus thought, what he, what he thought about stuff, how he thought, read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, right? It's the longest interrupt, uninterrupted section of scripture that we have of Jesus, right? It's his, his sermon, right? All right, so Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Right, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When it, Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with a real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. All right. So here we are, two men built a house, right? One man built it uh, on sand, which was probably a little bit quicker, maybe a little bit easier. It definitely had a view, uh, but it was cheaper, right? There, there was no stability. It was on sand, right? The other man built, built it on solid ground, which meant he had, to, he had to drill into rock, anchor down into a foundation. It likely took him more time, a little bit more energy and resources. But when the storms came, it stood, right? Now, Jesus had just preached for three chapters and ended it with a decision point, right? This is what he's getting at. He had just preached three chapters, and he ends it with this decision, right? Do what I say, and your foundation will be good. Don't do what I say, and you're a dummy, right? You're, you're, you are foolish, right? That's what he's offering. That's what he's saying, right? One path, he's saying, is firm and solid. He's saying the other path is a little, a little shifting. It's going to be shaky, right? All of us are going to be building on something, forging our lives on something, right? We're, we're, we're putting a foundation on something, whether it's a philosophy, a relationship, a dream, a bank account, a career, whatever it is. That's what he's saying, right? We're building on something, a philosophy, a dream, a relationship, a bank account, a career. So what are you anchored to? 
That's the question, right? What are you anchored to? What drives you, right? What are you counting on to never fail you? It's a good question, right? The, the people Jesus preached to that day were largely building their lives on religion, right? A list of rules to follow, just boxes to check off each week. Right? They trusted in their ability to stay in good standing with that list of rules. Right? The, the people that Jesus was preaching to that day, they built their lives on years and years of tradition. And Jesus offered them, that day, that moment, offered them a new foundation, a new way to live. Right? In, in a sense, this is what he's offering. He was offering himself as the foundation. Right? We can build on Jesus. We can forge our life on him. Not because, not because his teachings are true. Not because they're, they're, they're the right thing, because they are. But we don't have to worry about building our life on that. We do it because he himself is truth. He himself is right and worthy. Right? Jesus is the perfect embodiment of truth right he even identified himself as the way the truth and the life right what made jesus so special right what made jesus so special well, clearly his his birth was miraculous but but what makes jesus's teachings perfect right what what are, what are these questions it's this jesus was both fully god and he was fully man that's what makes him so special. That's what makes his teaching so wonderful. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. Right, so, so lean in here, Foundry Church. Right, listen, listen, grab a hold of this and hold fast to it. Jesus, again, fully God, fully man, which means he could fully represent God to us and fully represent us to God the Father. Right, because he was fully human, he is able to fully represent us and mediate for us before God the Father. Right, to serve as our example and to identify with us. Right, the, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4 verse 15 puts it this way. He says, the high priest, right, Jesus is our high priest, the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same things we do yet he did not sin see at the time at the same time at the same time jesus was fully god he was fully man right he he understands our weaknesses he faced the same things as a man but he didn't mess up right he didn't sin, but at the same time, he was still fully God. And because he was fully God, he was able to represent God the Father to us. Right? To, to show us what God is like. To, to rescue us, to redeem us, to restore us to a right relationship with God the Father. How do we reconcile these seemingly contradictory statements how do we reconcile that, that Jesus was fully God and fully man? I mean, it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of the things, right? One of the, the things that makes Jesus unique from his creation and the reason that he has a unique place in history, right? Fully man, fully God. 
It is also a reason that he deserves our worship, our devotion, our, our trust, our honor and glory. Right? Building on Jesus, forging our life on him means that we follow his character. We follow his character. We follow his ways. And we step into his mission. Right? We, to reconcile this, to, to understand that Jesus is fully God, that he's fully man, we have to follow his character, his ways, and step into his mission. If we build on the eternal and on the unchanging nature of Jesus, then our house will be built on solid rock. Right? His, his character is the, the sum total of his attributes. Right? When I read, right? when I look at the stories of Jesus in the Bible, I, I try to make note any time that I see a mention of his character, right? how, he, how he's described, right? what was he like. Every time I see something like that, I try to make a note of it. For example, just in the book of Matthew, where the Sermon on the Mount is, Jesus is the Messiah, right? the, the chosen one of God. Right? He's God with us. He's the son of God. He's a rewarder, provider. He's described as a healer, a teacher. He's described as the forgiver of sins. He's gentle. He's humble. He's compassionate. He's the shepherd. He's a creator. He's servant. And he's our judge. Just from the book of Matthew. It's his character. Now, ultimately, Jesus gives us a picture of what God the Father is like. Now, some of these characteristics are unique to him, right? right? We're, we're not God. He is, right? So they're unique to him because he is fully God, right? Like the Messiah, the Son of God. That, those are unique to him. But other attributes we can, we can instill in our lives as we're forging, as we're, as we're doing that work. Things like humility and compassion and grace and service. Right? Those things we can put into our lives. Right? We, can, we can put in and, and forge with. Right, We can build those qualities into our lives with confidence that we're becoming more like Jesus, living more in the way that we were created to live, living our best life, that life that is forged on him. His character. But now we can also, we can also look at the ways of Jesus. And like I said, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, if you want to know what he thought about something, that's a good place to start, right? For instance, what was Jesus' way of relating to others, right? How did he relate with, with other people? How did he engage with prayer, right? How did he pray, right? Or how did he manage his time? Why did he stink and walk so much? I know it was a walking culture, but he walked, he went out of his way to walk places. Why, right? Right? Why did he escape to the mountains or to the sea so much? Right? What is God's way of responding to criticism and responding to praise? When we realize that he's both fully man and fully God, we can learn the ways of who he is. The ways of God are what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Right? Responding to our enemies, uh, remaining pure in our hearts and minds, praying, giving to the poor, prioritizing the eternal over the temporary, and on and on and on. Now, we could probably spend our entire lives just trying to unpack and, and practice the principles just in this short sermon of the Sermon on the Mount. Right? We, can, we can have those ways instilled in our lives. And then finally, building on Jesus, forging our life on him, means being on mission with him. 
right? Stepping into a mission with him that he has for each and every one of us, right? It's not enough just to to listen and to learn and to memorize his teachings. We need to put them into practice. Otherwise, we'll be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand, right? This may sound crazy, but even Jesus himself, right, walked in obedience to his father, (laughs) Maybe it seems weird to think about the idea that Jesus was obedient, but again, in the book of Hebrews, it says this in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience. Even though he was God's son, he learned obedience, right? Jesus said he only did what he saw his father in heaven doing, right? Replicating the character replicating the ways, stepping into the mission of Jesus in our lives begins with our priorities. Listen, sometimes we think that following Jesus means putting him at the top of our list of important things to do. Right? You, you know, right? right uh, what, how does it go? Right? God or, or family and uh, country and then banchan, right? <laughs> right? We, we list those priorities. That's not really the way that it's supposed to be, right? right? Sometimes we think that following Jesus means putting him at just at the top of that list of important things. Right? But I don't think it's as much as putting Jesus' name at the top, right? just putting God there at the top of an ordered list, as it is as making him central to every priority that we have. <laughs> He's, he is the thing in everything that we do. It's all for his honor and all for his glory, all for his purpose and for his mission. Right? He, he wants to be the foundation and the filter for every other priority. Right? He's with us in all of those areas. Right? That is building on a firm foundation. Right? When, when we allow our, our circumstances, our, our emotions and opinions to be the foundation for determining priorities, we're going to be building on shifting sand. So again, lean in here. Lean in and grab a hold of this. Because it's just the truth that we have to face. Storms, they're going to come. Now some of you guys know that better than others, right? Storms will come. We would still live in a world that that is broken, that fell apart in the Garden of Eden that we talked about a few weeks ago. Right? There's going to be divorce. There's going to be cancer. There's going to be financial problems. There's going to be lost jobs. And on and on and on. We can't keep the storms from coming. (laughs) But we can ensure that we are on a firm foundation for the storms. We all build on something. What are you building on? (laughs) What What are you building your career on? What are you building your, your marriage on? What are you building your, your family on? What are, uh, where are you placing your hope and your trust? Uh, what are you building your dreams on? Your education on? Your future on? Any foundation other than Jesus will shift with the winds of culture, opinion, time, and just change. When we build on Jesus, when we build on God, when we forge our lives on him, We have a solid foundation for every storm. That doesn't mean everything's going to be okay. It's going to be just the way that we want it. 
doesn't mean that. But when we build our lives on God, on Jesus, we, we can know that he will remain firm, secure in his promises and in his presence, that he's going to be with us in the fire, that he's going to hold back the sea when he wants us to get through it, that he's going to remind us that there's a tomb with no body in it. That's what's amazing. And that's what's so exciting about living for him, building that foundation. As the, the band comes up here and we continue to seek after God and to praise his holy name, think about that. What are you building on? What is your foundation? Let's stand together and worship a little bit more.